And we're with Dr. Philip George, psychiatrist from IMU. We've got a caller called Anna. We just got off the phone from her. She has a three-year-old child who only eats white food, cannot eat coloured food. Can you tell us about this, Dr. Philip George? Well, it sounds like a heavy carbohydrate diet there, right? Yeah, so it's common in toddlers to have food fats. And this can be a way of, one, seeking attention, two, trying to relieve some anxieties that they may have themselves. So I think the important thing is that food fats should not be be encouraged mm. and that parents should actually take a role encouraging their children to eat outside of what they feel is comfortable. Um, so sometimes it's, well, look, this is all you have for lunch or for dinner. And if you don't eat it, then tell us when you're hungry and we'll give you, you know, maybe some food. But we're not going to, you know, change everything to suit your food yeah. fed. So food fads should not be encouraged. And it should be, you know, tackled at the early stage. And that means, you know, telling them, sorry, but this is what you have to resort to in eating. The worry that we have often is sometimes food fads can lead to nutritional deficiencies, vitamin deficiencies, and, you know, and then general health (coughs) decline as well. Yeah. So I think it's important to maybe address it at an early stage and prevent that as well. All right. So thank you so much for that, Dr. Philip George. You got any questions for the doctor? You can either send us a WhatsApp message through DigiLight line 0165108888 or just call us on 0395433333 or you want to tell us an insta story you can do it via our instagram account at light.my here's leona lewis for you at light light breakfast with sham it's still a free clinic mind matters with dr philip george right now we got an insta story message right here from net loves ice cream so she's asking any idea on how to reduce pms and binge compulsive eating Doctor. Okay, well, PMS is uh, a broad classification or broad terminology that's used, and it's not a psychiatric condition. But among people with PMS, premenstrual stress disorder, there are a small number that may actually suffer from perimenstrual dysphoric disorder. And those people with perimenstrual dysphoric disorder typically start feeling a change in emotions and moods and physical symptoms of bloating and sort of changes in their anxiety levels starting from the day of ovulation, which is about maybe a week before mensa starts. And then a relief when menses actually occurs. So PMDD is sometimes quite disabling. It can create a lot of interaction issues. They can have more sensitivity to social interactions and can affect relationships as well. Very often PMS or PMDD can be associated with binge or compulsive eating. In DSM-5, the new classification from the American Psychiatric Association, we now have under eating disorders a new category called binge eating disorder and in binge eating disorder people typically have no control over what they're doing in terms of eating they eat in discrete periods of time maybe every two hourly and they have a lack of control over their eating and they continue to eat even though they're already full or they've eaten more than what normally they would eat on other occasions. So it can be emotional need where they're trying to compensate for their emotions and their anxiety. And that can also happen as a co-committant condition in PMS as well. And so people who have emotional you know, sort of fluctuations may resort to comfort eating and then find that they're overeating to try and cope with their emotions and feelings. PMDD is treatable. 
So that subset of PMS, if PMDD is occurring, can be assessed by an obstetrician or a psychiatrist and or a psychologist. And there are treatments that actually can help people with PMDD and that can actually control the anxiety and emotional fluctuations and then reduce the risk of binge eating and, you know, compulsive eating as well. Okay, so more questions where mind matters, you can either call us on 039 or send us a WhatsApp through our DigiLight line 016-510-8888 or send us an Insta story message. It's at light.my. Up shortly, Michael Bolton's to love somebody at Light. Light breakfast with Sham this morning still with Dr. Philip George on Mind Matters. And when kids go through something that we we may feel it's got to do with its mental health, it can be a tough thing to figure out. Cheryl's got something like that right now. Go ahead, Cheryl, ask your question. My daughter, she's actually six years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, uh, she's crying every day, refused to go to school. Mm -hmm. I suspect her is a depression, Mm -hmm. uh, crying very badly, shout very loud. And even she sometimes uh, refused to sleep because once she wakes up early in the morning, then she has to go to school. Mm. Uh, also, probably because of, I'm not too sure, uh, I suspect probably because I have a younger, uh, a second child, her, her younger sister. Yes. Uh, or probably I have uh, given more attention to her, my little one. And uh, also because of probably I uh, last year, beginning of last year, I have actually sent her to another daycare. Uh, mm. she, very reluctant to go and I have stopped her immediately after a week mm-hmm. and now cause this happened and yeah very happy and wanted to seek for help yeah yeah well it sounds like your daughter may be going through separation anxiety and that may be triggered by many factors I mean one is you know the fear of uh, sibling rivalry where maybe her younger sibling she may feel is getting more attention and uh, also you know the fact that she has to go to a new school or be in a new environment. So all this may actually trigger off a lot more anxiety in her, which can also spread to, you know, things like refusal to eat and, you know, also uh, difficulty at home in interacting with the rest of the family. But uh, actually, uh, the new school uh, is last year, but mm-hmm. then actually immediately and we are sending her to the old school that she used to go every day and she loved it so much last time but now suddenly uh, after the So the anxiety is not related to the school or the people in the environment. It's largely most likely related to feeling scared being separated from you and from her family. So that fear is, you know, coming out in different ways in in a behavior and in an emotional state. And so it may be important to first spend more time to reassure and make her understand that you do love unconditionally spend, you know, maybe just focus time just with her alone and, you know, get her to understand that that love is not going to change, that, uh, you know, the parents are always going to be there and understand and be part of her as well. So very often in the minds of young children, the the stress that they may experience is 
feeling like they're going to lose their parents, especially when they're away from them. And so, I mean, I think the first step is maybe making changes in your own parenting uh, together with your husband, then focusing on how you can spend quality time with her. But then if that's not helping, then I think it's important to get an assessment by a child psychiatrist or a child psychologist uh, because anxiety and stress in children is very common. In fact, psychological problems in children are sometimes recorded to be higher than in adults. And the sooner they are attended to, the better the chances that they can have a quality of life and achieve things that they need to achieve. Thank you, Cheryl. So Mind Matters regarding mental health, any questions you want to ask to our Dr. Philip George, you can do it via WhatsApp on DG Lightline 0165108888 or just give us a call on 0395433333 or you can even send us an Insta story message at light.my. It's the Light Breakfast. You're with Sham doing Mind Matters right now with Dr. Philip George as well, psychiatrist from IMU. You know, when you hear in-law stories, some can be weird, some can be scary and we laugh about it a lot, but some can also be of concern. Jackie, you're concerned about your mother-in-law. What's, what's going on? Okay, my husband wanted to ask because of late, he realized that his mother, mm-hmm. uh, whenever we we go out meal with her, mm-hmm. she tends to use a lot of like tissue paper to like wipe her mouth, wipe her chest, even though there's nothing there. She, she has this uh, action of taking a tissue, wipe, 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 and then throw away, and then again, she will take a tissue and wipe, wipe, wipe. My husband will tell her, there's nothing there. Why are you wiping? Mm -hmm. And she will continue this kind of action. He is wondering if there is anything Mm. beyond that we don't understand. What is her age and... uh how is the memory now like? She's about 87. Mm-hmm. Memory, we aren't very sure because sometimes we talk to her. Yes. She can remember like past things. Right. What about recent and then, things? And then recently, of course, she can remember that my husband has got cancer mm. and that he's very weak. Mm-hmm. She can remember this. Right. But because we don't always stay with her, so beyond that everyday thing, we, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But whenever we go visit her and have meal with her, uh, this is her action. I mean, before this, she doesn't do this. Okay. Yep. And my husband is worried like, why is she doing this? Mm. You no. Know, keep on doing it so she has repetitive behavior and you can't explain it she can't explain it herself as well right yeah yeah because mm. we have seen somebody who has got ocd who do mm. this yes. and and uh, that person who has got ocd she's got a lot of tissue paper on the table and even the thing drop on the floor she, she doesn't bother mm. but she was just keeping taking the tissue and whatever yeah. so now my husband is worried yeah so actually from your description it sounds like it's an anxiety symptom so anxiety can Uh, exhibit itself in many different forms one can be Mm -hmm. obsessive and compulsive rituals so behavior that's repetitive and has really no purpose but cannot be stopped and uh, you know they the the person themselves are unaware sometimes and Mm -hmm. when they're informed then they have no explanation for why they're actually doing it but that can be one of the factors that it's an anxiety symptom and anxiety can be very common in elderly especially as, as especially in the early part of dementia so there are different phases of you know mental decline in elderly mm-hmm. there's mci which is mild cognitive decline and that mm-hmm. may have you know some memory problems for recent things but past memories are very good 
and that uh-huh. may be stagnant. It may not progress. It may not get worse. Uh, mm-hmm. So that is, you know, t- typical and normal with uh, people who are growing older. But if it worsens and progresses, then mm-hmm. it may be a dementia illness. And in dementia illness, then there are investigations and treatments that need to be considered. But the anxiety can be part of MCI or can be part of dementia as well. I would say if it is not actually interfering with her day-to-day life or mm-hmm. with you know the quality of her life, then maybe mm-hmm. there is no need for acute intervention. But if it's proceeding on to cause problems with sleep or irritability or mood changes or you know just general fear of things and refusing to go out or being more apathetic then i think mm. it'd be useful to actually start to see a geriatrician or a psychogeriatrician a psychiatrist who is specialized in geriatrics or even a psychologist as well questions for the doctor on 0395433333 or just drop us a whatsapp on our dg light line 0165100 888. You can also do it via Insta story message. It's at like.my. Dr. Philip George still with us. Also got Lauren Woods fallen. Listen, five minutes. Hang on for that. At light. Light breakfast with Sham is still a free clinic. Mind matters with Dr. Philip George. You know, I've never really experienced or seen anyone going through a panic attack, but we do have a WhatsApp message here from Lee who's got a friend who will get into a panic attack during conversations and after that gets into a stutter. Can you tell us what this is all about, doctor? Okay, well, anxiety is a common condition and there are about five different anxiety disorders. Now, what Lee is describing in his friend, he describes it as panic attacks, but it could be a multitude of different types of anxiety disorders. So panic attacks usually typically happen out of the blue and without any trigger. They occur for about 5 to 10 minutes or a bit longer and then after that they subside. But during the panic attack, the anxiety is extreme. People feel they're going to have a heart attack, they're going to die, they are you know, in intense anxiety at that moment. And so typically people would present to an A&E or cardiology unit or to a general practitioner thinking that they're going to die. Uh, so that's typical of a panic attack. And in between panic attacks, they can have this anticipatory anxiety where <clears throat> they fear they're going to have another panic attack. But I think from what uh, Lee is describing in his friend, it sounds more like social anxiety disorder because it seems to happen only in interacting with others. And that's when the stuttering and the anxiety comes about. So there is a stimuli there. Social anxiety disorder is a common condition as well. And typically people you know, in front of others may feel that they're being observed and the anxiety levels increase. This is something that is treatable. There are treatments that include medication that help to reduce and control anxiety and then psychological therapies to help overcome the perception that's already become skewed and unbalanced. And so people can actually recover from social anxiety disorder. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Dr. Philip George.